you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Samuel gets it. Trent Williams out in front of him. Are you blocking? Debo. End zone touchdown. What a play. No flags. Another one for San Francisco. Blitz off the edge, Ayuk has got his second. Touchdown 49ers. Here's Kittle. George Kittle. Touchdown 49ers. So many touchdowns to choose from. We couldn't get to them all. 38-10, to 10, the San Francisco 49ers drop a hammer on the Cardinals. They outscored them 21 to nothing in the second half of this game. By the end, we had Trace McSorley and a man named Brock Purdy in the game. We've also got a man named Jason Zumwalt on the show tonight. I'm Greg Rosenthal. We're going to get to uh, six uh, yak bros, all-time yak bros later in the show, yards after catch receivers that I've enjoyed watching. But first, we're going to make poor Jason discuss a game in which his team, the Arizona Cardinals, lost 38-10. to 10. And if you're not familiar uh, with Jason, just listen to the start of every show uh, on our Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday shows. You'll hear his voice. It's the voice of God, Jason Zumwalt. How are you doing, buddy? I'm uh, I'm at a tipping point in my life right now, Greg. Uh, i got to be honest with you. Um, it's difficult right now being an Arizona sports fan. <laughs> Uh, not that it's ever not been difficult being an Arizona sports fan. Um, 
uh, I get in this argument with Dan a lot, you know, who has it worse, you know, he has a Super Bowl. I don't care if he wasn't alive when it happened. <laughs> His team has one. No, um, that doesn't count. It doesn't matter if you're not alive. Uh, but yeah, that's a fair point. You are wearing an Arizona Cardinals scarf and uh, an Arizona Cardinals winter hat. I believe you've traveled to Boston and you're doing this in your in-laws house close to midnight. So uh, once again, yeah, thank you for uh, reliving this pain because it was ugly. Yeah, it was. Uh, it couldn't have been more ugly. It was. Uh, it was a nightmare. Um, <laughs> I guess like the, the 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 most you can hope for when you have your backup playing behind uh, uh, nothing but backups on the offensive line is that you're not totally embarrassed. Uh, and then like you know, if you're lucky, you win. Well, uh, this was like falling down the stairs with your pants down around your ankles and your butt out in the <laughs> moonlight, landing face first in dog poo. This was embarrassing. I mean, this it was, was close terrible. in the first half. It was 17 to 10, and all the stats actually were even. Really, the difference in the first half of the game was James Conner. Uh, weirdly going for a one-handed catch on a pass that he didn't need to and that turning into an interception. Other than that, you know, you kind of saw the Colt McCoy feistiness that they're moving the ball down. They they forced a couple punts early from the 49ers, but then the 49ers uh, wound up scoring, ooh, six times in their next seven possessions for a total of 38 points. Most of them were touchdowns. It was embarrassing. The Cardinals defense had no shot. We will get to what it's like being a Cardinals fan and where the Cardinals are right now because it's ugly. It's four, They're 4-7. Four and seven. If we didn't fork them before, I don't remember if we did or not. I, we can fork them. We, oh, they have a fork in their back. Uh, okay, worry. you it's remember. Okay. Yeah, they have a fork. Uh, the Hard Knocks episode is going to be ugly. But I, I make the mistake of asking a guest that's a fan or covers a team on pretty often on this Monday night show and every single time that team has lost. And then the fans of the winning team complain that we didn't talk about the relevant team. And in this case, especially the 49ers are truly the relevant team. So we're going to talk 49ers for a while and, uh, and what they're looking like. It's crazy to me. Zumwalt, I know you've watched this team a lot. You're a big NFC West guy and they're a pass first team right now which is weird. I know they traded for Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell had some nice runs tonight, but they're a pass-first team, and it's a very concentrated pass-first team. Only four players on the 49ers caught passes tonight. George Kittle goes four for 84 and two touchdowns. McCaffrey kills you in the passing game. He's just kind of the check down guy. When Jimmy G can't find an open receiver, you find McCaffrey for seven or eight yards. Debo Samuel had seven for seven. 57 along with that long run and then Ayuk had two touchdowns it's crazy to me that I think moving forward even though they tried to get rid of Jimmy G they are gonna be balanced at worst and maybe a pass first type of team because of the talent that they have you know at one point I was just kind of watching the game and I was like ha 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 Brandon Ayuk <laughs> he's great I remember when he was in Arizona Sun Devil in the same neighborhood as the Cardinals and what did they do who did they pick up instead of Brandon Ayuk oh is Isaiah Simmons yay we have failed again <laughs> Yeah, the 49ers are um, an absolute beast. And, and you did bring up that it looks, you know, it was like, oh, what could happen here? The the Cardinals look feisty. There's Colt McCoy. He's slinging it. He's getting it out fast. And the guys look lively. 
it was that pass to James Conner where everything just like the wheels just came but, off. The but bus. something would have happened regardless because I think if you played this game ten times, especially at altitude, where it just felt like the Cardinals ran out of gas and the 49ers had been training at altitude. I think that was a, a smart move by them. But it does. I don't think it, any of that matters because Vance Joseph's done a good job scheming against the 49ers over the years. You can't blame it on the coaches. They've actually won three out of the last four against the 49ers over the last couple of years, sometimes with undermanned talent. I just don't think this Cardinals defense has enough good players. And I think right now the 49ers are almost – in like early October, if they were a normal team, because they've been waiting for this offensive line who had no experience to to come together. They've been waiting to get healthy. They bring in McCaffrey. Uh, Garoppolo, you know, didn't start to start the season or, or have a training camp. And it's almost like they're just starting to figure out what they can be. And what they can be is an offense that gets the ball out of Garoppolo's hands quickly and then someone makes a play after the catch. The Cardinals did not want to tackle uh, these guys. The the effort on the second Kittle touchdown was embarrassing. But even on other plays, like it, it's just hard to get these guys down. And I don't think that's a Cardinals problem. I just think that's going to be a problem for everyone the 49ers play. It just felt like the whole time, um, even in the first half, when the 49ers and, uh, were kind of – uh, playing even with the Cardinals um, that at some point they were just going to pull away. It just never really looked to me like the Cardinals really had a chance here. And I, I, I don't know if it had anything to do with the altitude. I, I was upset when I found out that the Cardinals didn't show up to Mexico until I think yesterday. Um, I, I, it, the floor, like you said, the 49ers were in Colorado this whole week practicing there's like little details that go into this that you know you can say you can't blame the coaches but at the same time it's like why weren't they in colorado why weren't <laughs> they in up in flagstaff i mean come on that's like two hours away from you guys like it was just good mm. good good uh arizona knowledge there Zumo. topography yeah, yeah. Topo- i was trying to think of the the perfect <laughs> word for it. i i couldn't come up with it but only you would know like where's the altitude arizona place to go to uh no the bidwells that just doesn't seem like something they would do that doesn't seem like something cliff kingsbury would do i mean you can definitely blame coaches in that i think the cardinals are an inferior coaching staff and they're not run as well in terms of finding players that fit their scheme sticking with the 49ers like when they drafted Ayuk, i I didn't quite see it. And then you watch him do the route that he did on that first touchdown. And you're like, wow, this guy is so talented. He didn't even need to make plays after the catch. And you find all of these guys that fit a certain mold. And Kyle Shanahan knows how to use them. And McCaffrey fits into that mold. And for the second straight week, he wasn't even the leading rusher in terms of attempts or yards. That was Mitchell, who went 9 for 59. They didn't even need to run the ball that much. Debo had that 39-yard run that was just perfectly drawn up and perfectly blocked and you've got you know the backup tight end Croft you know making plays down the field they're just really well coached in terms of their blocking scheme and the talent is the best I think that the 49ers have had and it's hard not to watch them and think they're better off with Jimmy and that this version of Jimmy is back to the 2019 type of version because he doesn't have a bum shoulder, and it's back to the 2017 tw- or 2019 version 
Uh, because he doesn't have to do much. Like that offense has very specific answers. I used to do a show with, with Andrew Hawkins, who was in that offense under Kyle Shanahan, and he's like, they just want quarterbacks to not make any interpretation. They're not doing choice routes for the receivers where they can get. It's like this is the right place to go to the ball. One, two, three. If it's not there, just eat it and and just like don't improvise at all. And you could kind of see how good Jimmy Garoppolo is in the system on that touchdown to Ayuk. Uh, I. Maurice Jones-Drew thought that was the fourth read on that progression, and he got yeah. to Ayuk in about two and a half, three seconds. So Jimmy G's not a, a top 10 quarterback, but he is good at some things, and he's been in this system so long that he can beat up kind of an overmatched Cardinals defense. Well, look, when he has all the time in the world to, you know, just sit back there and go through four reads, you know, eventually something's good. But it wasn't even that long. He got to it in like two and a half, three seconds. I think that was what was amazing. But you're right. The Cardinals have not had any pass rush whatsoever all year. J.J. Watt is still their best pass rusher, I would say, on balance, which is not not great at this point. No, it's not great. (laughs) I don't know, man. You know, it's just uh, (laughs) – they just looked like a total buzzsaw tonight and they just cut right through the Cardinals. And um, that second half was just, it just felt like I said, inevitable. And it was just like this boulder rolling downhill, you know, and the Cardinals were doing their best to stay out of it, you know, and get their shots in when they could. But eventually that thing was just going to pick up steam and just smash us in the face. And man, <laughs> it did in such an embarrassing international way oh that's true multiple "Ah, multiple countries i know the uk audience was watching it on on channel five and and enjoying uh the beta the 49ers are a team though that i think have entertaining blowouts i've been expecting this team to look like this more often this season than actually they have and i it's interesting that they've mostly done it in their division games which you usually think like okay the other coaches know them well but they've looked at their best in these division games they blew the doors off the Seahawks in week 2 they crushed the Rams both times uh and now this game against the Cardinals who generally have had their numbers if you look ahead at their schedule they have the Saints then they have a tough three games Dolphins Bucks and at Seattle that's kind of the key part of the rest of their schedule and then three forgiving games to finish Commanders who playing better and then at Las Vegas and Cardinals they're at 6 and 4 now kind of where do you see them in the NFC picture overall because to me I kind of look at them the Eagles and the Cowboys as the best three teams on paper the, the 49ers are now tied for the division lead. They have the tiebreaker over Seattle, so technically they're the three seed. They'll have to go win the division, but I think that's very doable. And to me, I look at that schedule, and I don't see more than one, maybe two losses. And, and 11 and 6, 12 and 5 probably gets it done as much as I love uh, the fighting Genos up in Seattle. Yeah, I would say minimum uh, 10 wins. Mi- like minimum. minimum. There's no oh, yeah. way they don't get 10 wins. Um, so yeah, they're, they're a beast. And, uh, I, I, for one, am, am sick of them not getting over the hump with this. Uh, I just want to see it happen. I just want to watch you it do happen. as a division I rival. Want... You do. Cause I feel like this is a nightmare scenario for the Cardinals in many ways. It's also a nightmare scenario for the Rams. They just won a Super Bowl, and then they could watch their rivals go win one the next year. I really do think the, the, NFC playoff picture has has more than one contender, but I don't see anyone that should be seen as a as a higher favorite than San Francisco. I'd maybe give only the tiniest of edges to Philadelphia because they're more likely to have a bye, but that's it. Otherwise, on a neutral field, they seem pretty equal. Well, okay, so they're they're built 
to win the NFC West, right? From the top to the bottom, they're built to win the NFC West. That's that's what they focus on. And they're two games away from sweeping it, right? Isn't that right? Yeah, they have to beat the uh, Seahawks again and Seattle, then the and Cardinals. One more time. So, the Cardinals so really in week 18. The only way the Cardinals are winning that game is if the 49ers are resting starters. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Maybe we'll get another win, Greg. Oh. Uh, but um, it, it's just – I kind of forgot my point, but it, it's just – okay, here's, here, here it is. The only way, the only thing at this point that is going to kind of get them off my radar and make me fear them less is a Super Bowl hangover. Does that make sense? I want them to win a Super Bowl and then suck the next year like the Rams did. <laughs> That's about as dark as uh, as it gets. You can hope for them to lose before That's that. That's where I am right now. There's 38 to 10. Yeah, they could, they could certainly blow it again in the NFC playoffs, but the difference between them uh, and – in most teams out there, but I would not put the Eagles and Cowboys in this mix. And we'll see Seattle. Seattle's got a long way to go, but we, we can see is they could win a game with a totally dominant offensive performance. Now we, we just know that they could put up 35 on a bad defense. And there's not that many offenses like that. And they can win a game with a totally dominant defensive performance. I, I know they had the hiccup against the chiefs, uh, but Nick Bosa was getting after it tonight. Fred Warner's back to having a great season. They really know how to coach up players in the secondary. Charvarius Ward is, you know, suddenly a shutdown corner for them. But then they just bring in guys that you don't know well, and they fit them into their system. So they're big, they're mean, they're scary. And uh, this was a a game for everyone to realize that yeah, they're six and four, but they feel a lot more like a seven and three or eight and two team. Let let's talk a little Cardinals though, because they're they're a All four right. and seven team. Ooh, ooh, and I, I feel like for most of the season they've actually felt worse than their record. Now they're four yeah. and seven. Maybe it's caught up. They almost are more of a three and eight team to me. I mean, because they won a couple of those games early. Uh, in tough situations, they've signed Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime, who've made these these picks that you're disappointed with uh, through 2027. Kyler Murray's out again with a hamstring injury. It, it wouldn't be surprising if we don't see him until after the Cardinals buy. Although this performance maybe you know gets them to push him to come back earlier. We'll see. Just like where they're done for this season. Where where do you? I don't know where where are you at with this regime which seems to be less and less promising every year it feels like they're not going to go away this year it feels like they're all going to get called into the principal's office and yelled at at the end of this season you know probably for the 15th time um during this season and their ass is going to be on the line uh one last time they'll have one last chance to get this together i just feel like they wrote on their laurels, but based off of seven and oh, and oh, if you know, Kyler didn't get hurt. And if, if this didn't happen, if that time, everybody's back healthy. Now, everything's going to be great. We're going to roll guys. But they didn't count on the fact that the NFL will watch what you do and learn from it. Uh, like the entire NFL just decided to not let giant plays happen anymore from quarterbacks like Kyler Murray. <laughs> so that, so he's having to throw everything underneath. He, you know, even when he gets away uh, and and breaks off, he can't get he can't get very far. Um, it's a dink and dunk offense. They, 
I, it's it's crazy to imagine them resting on laurels when they were a disaster down the stretch last year. You know that embarrassing playoff loss which you were at, uh, yeah, right? Dan brought you as his guest. Do you think I wore this scarf and this hat? Do you think that yeah. was cruel of him? Um, as my children were jumping in elation at Kyler just throwing a ball up with his eyes closed to a Rams defender to make it 21 nothing in the first half. Do you think it was cruel for him to bring you to that scenario? I think that Dan has a dark side, and I think we all know that. Um, I think that uh, if you look deep down in his soul, he wants nothing but to crush the people closest to him uh, <laughs> and then be the man who brings them back up. He wants to be your your destroyer and your hero all at once. That said, I think Dan was just doing a buddy of solid. And, yeah, hey, I, it's I a think play it was more of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was more of that. But, but that was let's dark. Let's not discount how evil he is. That, that was a dark interpretation, uh, but, uh. I, but I enjoyed it. They, this, this Cardinals team, it's crazy. That, it's just crazy that they signed everyone long-term after that and that they didn't just te- – and people Man. were like, oh, it was going to be a contract year. First of all, there's no rule against uh, uh, a middling GM going on a contract year. No one's coming after Steam Kime. It's fine if he's on the hot seat. It saves you money. Second of all, the fact that they made it for five years when they could have made it for one year or three years was five. wild. I want – I want Steve Kimes agent. I, I don't know if he acts as his own agent. Maybe he does. A lot of those executives do. It it was crazy, and everyone first guessed it. And the, the crazy part of it is this Kyler Murray offense, and now that he's out again with the hamstring injury, I think it's a reminder that they're just kind of reliving the Cliff Kingsbury era and all of their seasons over in miniature this season. And here's how it goes. Well, we're going to try to not have – Kyler just rely on his legs. And then we're just going to have Cliff's Cliff's station-to-station offense that goes five, six yards per play that we think Colt McCoy can run just as well. But it's boring, and that actually doesn't really work. Uh, Then we're going to need, at some point, because we realize we need it, Kyler to just start running and create. And then that'll start working for a while, and then he'll hurt his hamstring, and then we'll kind of be back in the same place. You nailed it. I mean, that's... When when they they made those signings... When they made those signings, I, I, the first thing that popped into my head was five wins, eight wins, ten wins, and that's the only thing you're going to look at. You're just looking at the the number of wins going up each season, and therefore we're trending in the right direction. Like when they put up the stat tonight uh, with uh, Kingsbury's uh, win percentage, the first seven games from Texas Tech and the Cardinals. And then after that, it, it was so startlingly, startlingly close and tragic. I was like, what do you do, Greg? What do you do? How do you get to these people? I've looked at Mike Bidwell in the face. I've had the pleasure of meeting him. He's a smart man. You can tell he's a smart man. But I think that the problem is they get too close to the people around them. They are a family. And they have people come up. Steve Keim, he came up within the system. He was, you know, he was a part of that family for a very long time. And I think it's show friends versus show business. And they Ooh. just don't know how to draw that line. Well, you could see it on Hard Knocks. What I've enjoyed this season of Hard Knocks so far. I think it it might lose some steam 
in a couple of weeks. I think this episode will be interesting to me, and then I might start to lose interest because I, I find the tension and the way you learn about a little bit what Kyler's like behind the scenes interesting. I, you see Kime up there, and he's he's the owner's best friend, basically. They're going through these games together, and you, and you think about, okay, well, now you can see how he's lasted so long. But you mentioned the Isaiah Simmons pick and the Zayvon Collins pick, and they've had a lot of injuries this year on the offensive line. They should be given some credit. It, I, It's just like it doesn't match up. I'm not sure exactly what types of players they're looking for on defense. I'm not sure. I have what, a theory about that. Okay, what is it? It's called the tragedy of Darrell Washington. I think that, that was his name, right? Yeah, he was um, a pro bowler and then not. Yes. Um, uh, he was an amazing player. He was all over the place. He was our Mike. He was a stud. He had an amazing twitch. Wes loved uh, him some Daryl Washington. Loved him. He was, he was my favorite player. And then uh, he had his problems with uh, uh, drugs and spousal abuse. And he was out and it was gone. And I think that Daryl was a part of that family. And I think ever since he's left, they have been looking for players like him players that didn't really seem to be a mold part of a mold first they went for hassan reddick right a guy who didn't look like he should be an edge rusher but he had all of these other skills so they wanted to put him all over in different places then they went after there was someone in between him and isaiah zavin collins who they just wanted to give the mic position to immediately uh overlooking all veterans on the team I think that something about Daryl Washington um, mm. being taken away from them, they've been searching for that kind of magic ever since. And I think maybe they thought they had it with Honey Badger for a while. Deion Buchanan, I think, is the guy that you're you're thinking of. And you could throw in Kim Diche, not one of those type of players, but was kind of a Kim player. Kim Diche is actually one of those players because he was he was different. He was different. He's, he thought differently. Right. And Buda uh, Baker would be a good example of one that actually hit that also fits this profile and is their yes. you know best player on defense, I would say, now. But you're right. These first-round picks under Kime, did he take Jonathan Cooper or did he start with Deion Buchanan? He did. He did. Wait. Either Ooh. way, DJ Humphreys. He took Deion Buchanan, and he was another one. He's another one that was exactly like that. That's what I'm saying. DJ Humphreys, who's worked out. Good, good pick. Not not amazing, but good pick. Kim Diche, Hassan Reddick, who they didn't know how to use and has looked better away from Arizona. Josh Rosen, Kyler Murray, Isaiah Simmons, Zayvon Collins, and Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, that's Steve Kimes' pick too. And mm -hmm. I just don't see Cliff as a guy who's ever gonna kind of get out of his own way in terms of being able to be flexible to match up to specific opponents and come up with different game plans. He, he does what he does. He fits players into different slots. That's why they look much better with DeAndre Hopkins. Everyone would, but it's like they need that. Yeah. It was almost like watching Greg Dortch tonight go for nine for 103. It It's like he's clearly one of your three best receivers on offense. Why can't you figure out how to have him on the field while Rondale Moore is on the field? You're the only coach in the league would be like, well, you can only have one of those types of great slot players. He, But it's because he has this sort of static offense, which operates the same way each time. And he's like, well, if Rondale's in, that takes up the Dorch role. Whereas any other coach would be like, I have no receivers. I need to get both of these guys on the field and figure out how yeah. to use them together and change what I do. And he doesn't change. And that's why I think there's actually a chance Cliff 
Cliff won't be back next year because Kyler's not going anywhere with that contract, obviously. And maybe they give uh, Cliff another year, depending on how the rest of this year goes. Uh, but I think they're going to want to see Kyler in a different offense at some point. That's all. That's my thought. Yeah, I, it is scary, though, when, when, you, when it comes to losing Cliff because Cliff does – Cliff does see Kyler as being kind of the prototype version of the quarterback that he wants. And in some ways, I think the worst thing that could have happened for Cliff as the head coach of the Cardinals and the play caller is Kyler getting hurt and Colt McCoy stepping up and playing as well as he did last week because he played to a T. Kingsbury's offense. But he, he played fine. Like he, he get yeah, he gets rid of the ball quickly. He did a good job of that tonight in the first half, uh, making some plays on third and seven, going to the hot receivers when Kyler, who knows if he would have done it. He He's had great games against great 49ers defense in the past, so I'm not going to say Kyler couldn't have done that. He would do it with his legs. But I think you see the limitations of that. It's five to six yards per attempt, whether it's Cliff, whether it's Kyler or Colt McCoy, and you saw tonight uh, the well kind of ran dry there in the second half. They didn't have any points. This is depressing. I, I got to stop having, uh, you know, t- you know, fans or reporters covering the losing teams after they lose. I mean, you're a happy guy. You've done a great job uh, on this show as a voice of uh, God, literally. Jason Zemo, what what fine acting that was, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was, uh, it was more like it kind of was uh, channeled through me, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, it really like, was. I wasn't really there, man. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't acting. Before I let you go, we're going to um, talk about in honor of uh, the Yak Bros who played tonight. And that really is a nickname. Dan and Mark thought I made it up. No, Debo Samuel made it up himself back in 2020. Him and Brandon Ayuk were going to be the Yak Bros. I did not make that up. Uh, we're going to talk about six of my favorite Yak Bros in the history uh, of – uh, the league, really the history since I started covering sport last 20 years. Uh, but before that, I did want to ask, like, you used to live with Hansis. You're on the po- his podcast now, but he's not here. Just do you have any uh, fun stories or, or anything you want to just share uh, about Dan? And maybe don't bury him as, as hard as you did before. Well, you Ooh, set me up for that, so I had to make it entertaining. Uh, what was that, what was that Justin? Justin's here, by the way. How are you? Oh, how sorry. Hey, feels Justin. good to hurt you, no, Sorry. Wait, is it Justin? Is yeah. that his name? What was that? Justin? Ooh, always feels good to hurt your friends. <laughs> oh! <laughs> perfect. What's up, Zeuser? <laughs> Thanks, Justin. That, that was a perfectly timed drop. Yes, it only had to be hit five times before... <laughs> It worked. <laughs> I figured you could edit it out in post. No, uh, I can't. All right. Yeah, give me give me something Hansis related, then we'll get you out of here. You gotta go to bed. All right. So this is actually something that I, I just recently told Dan, and this is uh this is a this is actually a total compliment. What I think is fantastic about what Dan does on your show is who Dan is entirely, one hundred percent. From the very first time I listened to uh, the debate club, which is him and Mark. I was like, oh, wow, this is something. I don't know what it's going to be yet, but this is something. Because Dan is doing the exact same thing he did when I lived with him. He's just holding court. He's handing off the conversation. He's guiding the conversation. He's just being kind of the Frank Sinatra in the room. And he's just kind of running things. Like, if people want to know what Dan is like, just listen to the podcast. (laughs) That's a great point. It's who he is. This show is who 
Dan is. And I think to your credit, it's become who you are as well. I think that you have blossomed into this amazing wow. broadcaster. You're, you, you, I'm, I'm, listen, here are your flowers, man. Let me give them to you. You guys are, we're, we're getting I, I rid love of flowers. you guys. We're getting rid of flowers. It's been, it was suspended for two weeks. No flowers. <laughs> I love you guys. And, and you've just, you've just really, you're just killing it. Thank you, Jason. You're too I'm very nice. happy. And uh, it's been great to have you uh, on this. Hopefully not too depressing. I'm going to bring up a, a good memory of you, of yours quickly, because I thought this game, we got all the yards after catch guys on the 49ers, and I thought Cardinals, and I thought Anquan Bolden. And I thought <sighs> Anquan Bolden is, I think, my single favorite receiver of all time time that that wasn't on my team that was my single favorite player when I started to cover the league which was in 2003 that came in after that point and it wasn't too soon after he jumped in with that like 200 yard game as like a relatively unknown rookie right off the top and was like the fantasy pickup of the the century uh, as a rookie and the way that he played football certainly the way he carried himself and when I got to cover that Super Bowl and I absolutely fell in love with that Cardinals team and Darnell Dockett and everyone else on that amazing team and was I, I was never more heartbroken about a, a Super Bowl uh, result in person other than Patriots losing as I was for that Cardinals team. But it was partly because of Anquan Bolden. The way that he played football week after week was just an absolute joy to watch. He's an all-time Cardinal. He was your guy, and he's my number one yak bro of all time. I'm going to give it five more quickly after this, but I'll, I'll let you honk about Bolden before I do that. <laughs> I, I, there's really no one I, I, that I've ever seen kind of play the game like him. I, I think the closest thing I've ever seen was um, uh, was Andre Johnson, uh, the uh, was he a Texan? Yeah, I thought about him for this list. Little different style, uh, um, but I know what you mean. The, the difference between him and Anquan was just there was just a little something, something with Anquan. He got that ball and he had the physicality like Andre did. He could bowl you over, but Anquan would do it with juice. He would just send you flying. And when he got that one, he hit that and he hit those yaks. Oh my God, he was a monster. And he just oh, he, he ran guys over. He was always the guy people brought up that 40 times don't matter. He ran a 471 40. You would have never known that on the field. He was just an absolute beast. If you if you didn't watch Anquan Bolden back in the day, get some highlight broke, films. One sec. Broke his jaw in a game. Played the next week with it wired shut. And, and, and as great as Larry Fitzgerald is, and he would have had the touchdown – uh, game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl for all time if the defense ha- had finished that off. It was Anquan, and I'm sorry to bring that up, but what a team that was, one, right. of, one of my favorite. Anquan Bolden was the guy that was the heart of that team and and had an all-time playoff run as well. The two of them together uh, were just amazing. Five more quickly is my colleague, but also Chris Wesseling's probably favorite receiver of all time, Steve Smith. I don't know if he knows him, oh, his colleagues, God. but Steve Smith absolutely makes this list. Kind of fits with Bolden as just an angry runner. Brandon Marshall gets forgotten a little bit in this discussion, but uh, just an absolute beast, Stud. especially early in his career before all those surgeries just an unbelievable player to watch. Young Julian Edelman, not the one who was picking up catches and winning the Super Bowl MVP, which was a little later in his career. If you go back and watch him 
early in his Patriots career as a punt returner and making plays after the catch. He was an incredible player. I got into so many arguments with Wes early in his career saying peak Edelman is already better than peak Welker. And uh, I still I still believe it. Uh, his first five or six years, he was just incredible. Torrey Holt is another name I'm going to throw out here. Just so smooth. A different type of yak, bro. But my God, did he have a feel of where defenders were coming from and how to run routes. It drives me crazy. that is Isaac Bruce in the Hall of Fame? I don't even know. But he gets further. Come on. He gets further in the Hall of Fame debate every year than Torrey Holt, which is just mind-boggling to anyone watching those teams. Torrey Holt uh, deserves to be on this list. And then I wanted to throw in one current player, Chris Godwin. I know he's coming off the injury, and he's not the same guy right now. But the way that he plays football, I think, uh, is, is very reminiscent of a young Anquan Bold. And I'm always looking for those types of players and him coming into the league. And I think he'll get it back. He's just overcoming an injury. Chris Godwin deserves to be on this list too. And Justin as, as, Justin wants to oh, talk. I just want to let ahead, you know, Justin. Isaac Bruce was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of this. Fame in 2020. How did I not know that? I even watched <laughs> these things. That was during the pandemic. We're not supposed to have to remember. Yeah, we were all baking bread and staring at the wall, waiting uh, for this to end. Yeah, hopefully uh, our listeners aren't just waiting for this to end. This was a treat, Jason. Thank you for working overtime. I know it's late. You got to get to bed. I'm probably driving your in-laws crazy. And uh, I got a concert to get to. I got tickets to the Flaming Lips. Oh, in, wow. I bought the tickets in 2019. The concert was supposed to be in March of 2020 at the beginning of the pandemic. It has been delayed six or seven times since then. It is tonight. It has already started, but I'm going to catch like the last hour, I would say, of it if I get out of the studio quickly enough. This is like, hey, uh, we... Uh, we we won over COVID. Oh no, wait, we haven't at all. But I am going to enjoy uh, this concert. I'm going to enjoy. What are you this doing concert. here, man? Go see the Flaming Lips. Okay, let's go. Let's go. For Jason Zumwalt, right. it's uh, it's been a pleasure. And uh, Justin Graver, and Dan Hansis. What a guy! What a host. Mark, why don't we just thank everyone? Seriously, Jason, this was a treat <laughs> to have you on. Hey, thanks for having a fan on. Keep the call. It. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.